Psalm chapter 12 is a song of David entitled, A Song of Complaint and Comfort. Now here in Psalm 12, David deals with hypocrites. And too often, Christians are accused of hypocrisy. And what's worse is that too often, that accusation is true. Let me give an example. Christians are quick to quote scriptures. But when it comes time to apply scriptures to themselves, they change their tune. See, when they come up against a scripture that conflicts with their personal or political viewpoints or narrative, they deflect and claim that the normal, ordinary meaning of the text is simply somebody's own interpretation. For example, throughout this pandemic, governing authorities have made many difficult and unpopular policies and rules. And for whatever reason... We won't take the time to get into them. But Christians immediately respond with wild ideas that they are being personally targeted and attacked. As well, many have bristled under these policies. Some have gone far enough as to mock the policies and the creators of those policies. Even worse... Some encouraged rebellion against the governing authorities. And when confronted with God's command that every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, as found in Romans 13, 1-6, Titus 3, 1, and 2 Peter 2, 1-3, their response, and I can give personal testimony to this, was to deflect with, well, that's your interpretation. Friends, I got news for you. That is not my interpretation. That is the traditional and orthodox understanding of the text for the last 2,000 years of church history. And that what we're going to see here in Psalm chapter 12 is that underlying the sin of hypocrisy is moral deception. Now here's a great example of such. The government says that those vaccinated against COVID-19 can remove their mask, but strongly encourages the unvaccinated to continue wearing their mask. As well, the government has authorized businesses to determine how they would like to enforce that policy. And some businesses have decided that they are going to require the unvaccinated to continue wearing masks within their business. And of course, right away, people lose their minds. But what is really distressing is that some quote-unquote Christians who have chosen not to vaccinate have expressed that they will just tell that business that they are vaccinated. Did you follow that? They're not vaccinated, but because they don't want to wear a mask, they're going to tell the business they're vaccinated. Well, I want to make very clear, listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. That is a clear violation of the command to not bear false witness. Listen, if you're not vaccinated and you, have to, you, go, you go someplace, they want you to wear a mask and you tell them, well, I'm vaccinated. 
You are a liar before a holy God. And you demonstrate by your willingness to lie your own hypocrisy. You call yourself a Christian, but you behave in a manner unbecoming of a Christian. That's out and out hypocrisy. And you're listening and you said, Pastor, boy, he, he, he's really angry over this. He's really upset about this. And you're right, I am. Because in a year of pandemic, when the church, when the body of Christ, when Christians had an opportunity to stand up and present to the world what Jesus would do, instead, many behaved badly, behaved hypocritically, and have given the cause of Christ a black eye. So yes, I'm angry. I'm filled with righteous indignation that Christians, so-called, would behave in such a cavalier and callous manner. So let's look at Psalm chapter 12. And let's consider several things here. First, a complaint in verses 1 and 12. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases to be. For the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak falsehood to one another. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. Notice verse 1's cry. Yahweh, act. The godly man ceases. That's what's happening. You call yourself a Christian, you're a Christian in name only. If this is your behavior. David's saying the godly are ceasing. Help me. The faithful are disappearing from amongst the sons of men. You know, there were all these people claiming to be Christians, but they're not behaving any different than the world. They're a vanishing breed. They're the people of the covenant, supposedly. And yet, it's as if they've left the earth. I can't find them amongst the sons of men. And notice the loss of the godly in verse 2. The truth is gone. Everyone speaks falsehoods with their neighbors. And it comes from their flattering lips that masks their double-hearted. In other words, they, you know, they got a heart. On one hand, they're saying, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. But on the other hand, everything coming out of their mouth says differently. For David, a right relationships are relationships that are truthful relationships, faithful relationships built on a covenant between him and God. But he says now, he's surrounded by deceivers. Oh, they talk smoothly. Oh, they can quote verses. But by their actions, they're saying there's something altogether different. They have a double heart. You know, we live in an age of unprecedented manipulation. And even Christians are engaging in this. We are so concerned with our creature comforts that we don't care what our image or what our testimony in the community looks like. We don't mind stretching the truth. doesn't bother us as long as we're comfortable. Oh, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. This is inconvenient. This is hard. This is difficult. And so, 
because the going got a little difficult, got a little tough, quote-unquote Christians have adopted the philosophy that it's okay to stretch the truth. Well, I'm uncomfortable. I don't care. What does the Bible? The Bible says, thou shalt not lie unless you're uncomfortable. It says, thou shalt not bear false witness. End of story. We've got preachers who instead of investing themselves during the work week to study the scriptures, to dig into the truth of scripture, and to see what it says, no, instead they're too busy studying the trends so that they can perceive what people's felt needs are so that they can motivate them. Listen, if any preacher's listening, i got news for you, my friend. You're not a motivational speaker. Preach the word of God in season, out of season, reproving, rebuking, and exhorting with all long-suffering and patience. So let's look at the confidence in verse 3 and 4. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips. Now there's some strong language. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that speaks great things, who have said, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Wow. That's some blunt conversation, isn't it? David says, bring in some judgment. Because these flatterers speak proud things, or great things. The word, the idea of great or proud here means haughty or presumptuous. In other words, they're speaking things and it's showing the attitude of their heart. It's showing their arrogance. It's showing the fact that they're a strife star. You know, it's like when somebody's out there and, and listen, not everybody's comfortable in the situation that we're currently in. And so if someone doesn't want to shake someone else's hand, the response isn't, oh, you're one of those people. Listen, you respect your brother or sister in Christ. What do you mean by, oh, you're one of those people? You say that to the wrong person, and you're going to find out what those people are really like. But again, is that the way Christ would have acted? Is that how Christ dealt with the masses of people? By belittling them and, and by looking down on them? No, not in the least. That's haughty. That's arrogant. And notice their boast. With our tongue, we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who's Lord over us? Pastor, how come we have to do this? Well, because that's what the government's asked us to do. Romans 13 says X, Y, and Z. Titus uh, chapter 3 says this. Second Peter says this. Well, that doesn't apply to me. They can't, I'm not going to listen to the government. They're not going to tell me what to do. My friend, listen. You're just put yourself right in this verse. Who is Lord over me? No wonder David asked for them to get judged. Reminds me of Romans 1, 28 to 32. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. 
being filled with all unrighteousness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do they do the same, but approve of those who practice them. And it boggles my mind when I hear of Christians and have spoken to Christians who purport the nonsense that the world touts and purports and approve the behaviors. Listen, whether you agree or disagree with a president or a policy or what have you, when you get out there and applaud the actions that occurred on January 6th, 2021, you need to examine yourself. Because that is certainly not the actions of a believer, of a Christian. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And any type of rebellion, including armed insurrection, is not the way a believer behaves himself. Certainly not how believers down through the centuries behave themselves. And believe me, listen, when those Christians in the first century were being rounded up and fed to lions and set on fire, I'm, I, I'm still looking in the Bible, I'm still looking through history books for where Christians, for where the churches cried out to rebel against the government, to rebel against Caesar, to rebel against Nero. Oh, that's right, they didn't. And you know what? God blessed them for it. Many lost their lives, but you know what happened? Because Christians submitted to God's ordained authority, yeah, they, they got persecuted, but you know what? Persecution brought growth. Persecution resulted in the church growing. Any perceived persecution we have in this country is, is ridiculous. Now, that's not to say persecution can't come. It's not to say that there may not be varying degrees of it, but, but we do not know persecution. But if and when persecution does come, we have to respond biblically, not in our flesh. Notice the comfort in verses 5 to 6. Because of the devastation of the afflicted, because of the groaning of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace on the earth refined seven times. He says the poor are being wiped out by these hypocrites who are defrauding them. They're groaning under the injustice. But God raises up in judgment and goes into battle on their behalf. Because Yahweh promises, I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. That word safety there means welfare or prosperity, indicating he's going to rescue the poor from their calamity. Now we need to remember that God has a special place in his heart for the poor. Exodus chapter 2, 23 to 25, he hears their cries. He promises to anoint his Messiah to bring good news to who? The poor, Isaiah 61, 1. And this was fulfilled when Jesus came and preached to who? The poor. He healed the poor. He delivered the poor from the oppression of Satan. Luke 4, 15 to 21. And you know who the poor are in the church? Now, again, certainly there are in the church people who are poor financially. But go beyond that. You know who's poor in the church? The people being deceived by unrighteous people unregenerate, quote-unquote, pastors and unrighteous, unregenerate individuals in the pews 
opposing as spiritual giants of the church. Oh, well, so-and-so so spiritual. They quote verses. Oh, they're so spiritual. They do this. They do that. But wait a minute. Talk's cheap. What about their actions? What are they actually doing? Listen. You, I can quote verses all day long. But if my actions demonstrate that I have pride or arrogance or whatever, then guess what? It disqualifies me to go around propping myself up as some spiritual giant. Listen, you, 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 you want to spot these people real quick? Take them out of the limelight. Take the limelight they enjoy away and watch their response. And that'll tell you something about how, quote-unquote, spiritual they are. God's going to restore His church. And this sham of religiosity is going to be revealed for what it is. And I'll tell you, I believe one thing that God has done with this pandemic is He is revealing the sham of religiosity. And God, now that God has spoken, David responds. And he reflects on God's trustworthiness. The words of the Lord are pure. Oh, that our words were pure. Like silver tried in the furnace of the earth. What God says he will do. There's no hypocrisy. There's no smooth talking. It's not vain. It's not empty. What he says is true. It is perfect. Notice verse 7, the conviction. You, O Lord, will keep them. You'll preserve him from this generation forever. God's words are pure and David can pray with assurance. You will keep them, O Lord. He doesn't have to question, oh man, I wonder if God's actually going to do what he says he's going to do. No, God can trust him because God always keeps his word. Not like people we have to deal with. He's going to preserve, he's going to protect his people. He's going to watch over them. From one generation to the next. Word of our God stands forever. Notice verse 8, finally the composure. The wicked strut about on every side when vileness is exalted amongst the sons of men. David concludes with an observation that the wicked are set loose. Vileness is being exalted. This is the consequence of hypocrisy. But like David, we can cry out, God, deliver us from this hypocrisy. Friend, if you're listening right now, I need you to listen and ask yourself some questions. Do you have David's longing to see God judge our hypocrisy? Are you willing to let God judge your hypocrisy, Christian? Do you long to see Him bring repentance to your heart and purify you? Do you long to see His words exalted rather than your worthless thoughts? Listen, I can't answer those questions for you. But in the quietness of your heart right now, you need to ask those questions and answer those questions. And that's, going to stay, that's going to determine a lot about your relationship with God. Father in heaven, Lord, as we close and pray, we... Just ask, Father, that we would all consider these questions. Lord, I pray that we would long for you to judge. Expose us, Father, 
Expose our hypocrisy. Show us, Father, what we may be doing that is sending a wrong message. And Lord, in doing so, do it with grace, do it with mercy. But Father, as you do it, bring us to repentance. Purify us, Lord. Have us to exalt your words rather than ours. And in doing so, Lord, revive us again. We pray in your Son's name. Amen.